Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm D, the managing... Wait, ah, shit, nope, not really. I'm a managing editor, I'm not the managing editor. I need to change my intro text. All right, cut, cut, we'll try again from the top. All right, take two. Welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, an editor at Anime Feminist. You can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Anifem staffers, Chiaki and Vrai, if y'all would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm uh, Chiaki. I am one of the editors for Anifem, as uh, Dee mentioned, and you can find me at, at Chiaki747, or at Animated Empress on Twitter. One's private, one's public. They're both bad. (laughs) (laughs) By bad, Uh, you mean good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they have their audience. Quality trick tweets. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hey, I'm Vry. I'm the managing content editor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at WriterVry, which is where I post my freelancing stuff and also Yu-Gi-Oh! feels. And you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And today we are doing our mid-season check-in for the summer 2020 season. I thought this was going to be the shortest podcast in our recorded history, uh, but then Chiaki (laughs) went and watched everything. So I guess we'll be actually chatting about a decent number of shows here. Um, the list is reasonably short, but we are going to keep it just to the um, the new shows that are currently running. This will include stuff from the spring that got delayed. Um, we'll do sequels and Netflix shows probably in the end of season. Uh, we should have a little extra time to kind of talk about some of those. And Netflix did drop a few this past little bit. So that'll be exciting. But for today, we're just focusing on the new stuff. Um, we, For folks who have never joined us for one of these before, Welcome. Get comfortable, grab your beverage of choice, um, or or uh, maybe don't get comfortable if you're doing this while driving. But anyway, <laughs> as most people do with podcasts, uh, what we do is we start from the bottom of our Premier Digest list and we work our way up. Uh, so we kind of start with the shows that were maybe a little bit more on the side eye of the, uh, as far as feminist content goes, and then uh, kind of moving into uh, things that were maybe a little bit more relevant for a, a feminist-friendly audience. So uh, we will be starting almost from the very bottom of our list. Uh, Chiaki, you are keeping up with Monster Girl Doctor, and it sounds like you and Mercedes are both enjoying this one, yeah? Yeah, I I like the show mostly because it, it doesn't, it's it's not just uh, TNA for the most mm-hmm. part. It, it is, there is a lot of TNA, and it, it's, it goes into a little bit of the medical fetishism, I guess, where um, Dr. Glenn is constantly feeling up his patient patients in a very medical way um and so there's there's definitely some uh there's a lot of fan service in that respect but there's also a story developing overall i really like safi uh glenn's assistant as a character and you know mercedes probably agrees with me as well i just kind of chant go get it girl every time she gets kind of horny for glenn because (laughs) she deserves it but yeah overall um if you if you watch this show uh first episode 
and you know thought hey maybe i'll keep watching it then yeah by all means but if you kind of watched it and went no this is too weird for me this is not my thing uh it's objectifying you know too much definitely not your show mm-hmm. more of the same yeah. basically um, I guess one one question I would ask with this because I know um, I know for a lot of folks like the the horny element the sexualization element won't isn't necessarily a deal breaker if the characters are treated well um, and especially if like consent is taken into account how does the series handle that as far as like I mean you're talking about like the medical feeling up like is everybody having a good time in this horny show or does it lean into uh, like questionable consent issues so there. A lot of people just go, well, Glenn is a doctor, so obviously this is why they're doing it, you know, even if it gets into sort of a really kinky moment. Uh, latest episode, they had a centaur basically just go straight into BDSM, like like blindfold, gagging, and, you know, harnesses. Um, honestly, I'm, I was just kind of amazed or agape. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where did you find harnesses like that um, for, like, a centaur uh, out in the middle of nowhere? Okay, I guess this is just happening kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, the the patient just said, yeah, no, this is great. I'm – my depression is cured, uh, oh, which God. which is, like, also – which is also, also a little um, weird, yeah. I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> But if I recall your your thread correct your your live tweet thread correctly, it also included aftercare in its BDSM subplot, which unusual. Yeah, no, I, it's it's very nice that um, the person who is it, it's a little skeevy in the sense that the um, centaur who was getting tied up is literally owned by another centaur. Oh you know, no, master servant relationship. <laughs> this is uh, but okay. yeah, no, it. it, it as this I said, if you're, just keeps going deeper, doesn't it? <laughs> if you're into it, okay, great. But if if you're not, definitely, you know, hard stop somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like you know, her her mistress was basically like, yeah, you know, I really care for you. That's why I want you around. I want you to be in your top conditions. Like that's some good things to say in a real BDSM relationship. So. Yeah, I just, I just, the literally owned is always such a sticking point in these damn shows. Like. You can, mm-hmm. you can do those plots without the literal owning. Ugh, okay. Yeah, and there's well. also some sec. Um, um, there's also some human trading. Um, sec. You know, human trafficking issues uh, that are explored. Um, minorly race. You know, racist undertones of you know monsters versus human supremacy kind of things going on. Mm-hmm. Overall going towards diversity you know monster people also want to live alongside humans sure you know they're all the whole city is developed around that concept so yeah and that's pretty common with these with these monster people stories i think as so far as an element goes so uh sounds like sounds like a lot sounds like a bit of a mixed bag but i mean as far as horny shows go it sounds like you could do a lot worse so there are a lot uh, worse horny shows this season so so there's that (laughs) If you came looking for a horny show, maybe there are a few interesting things in there, but don't go to this horny show looking for the interesting things first. Would that be fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that tracks. That tracks. Yeah, this is kind of, this is in some ways, I think, kind of a horny season, um, which is maybe why I'm not uh, as up to speed on this one as I am others. I'm not going to talk as much this time uh, around folks. 
but sorry, uh, I guess we'll move on from there then. Uh, so the next one, we probably don't have to spend a ton of time on this one. Uh, Misfit King of Demon Academy. Uh, Chiaki, you're also keeping up with this one, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the most unfortunate thing about this show is that the main character is named Anos. Um, <laughs> and you cannot... It, it, what? We're like six episodes in now, and I'm still calling him a butthead. Um, <laughs> I also call his two like main girl interests um, icy and hot because they're into ice magic and hot... Uh, well, not hot magic, fire magic. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Hot magic. Um, Heats up but, your tea. Real good. <laughs> uh, but pretty much, um, it's it's very much a show about Anos um, trying to figure out what what happened to him. He, you know, he died two thousand years ago, and now he's reborn. Um, at, and it's not like oh, he's he's like a person with demon king powers. No, he's literally the demon king, just off doing his own thing, trying to reclaim his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, from school, because of course, um, because why not? Some political intrigue, yeah. Uh, some political intrigue. The characters are generally well treated. There's no like overt fan service, but it's um, the character development could use some work. Icy and Hot literally fall for him, uh, like the first episode that they're introduced. Sure. Yeah, you know, just tracks because for that these kind of, I mean, this is this is a okay. I. Um, this is one that I actually know almost nothing about as far as like shows that are on our list. This is a, I guess it's not technically an isekai because the character, because the character always existed in this world, but it kind of follows that like overpowered protagonist reborn type structure, doesn't it? Yeah. So he's, um, he's extremely powerful. He has a like deep connection to all magic in the world. Sure. Um, and you know, part of the charm in the show definitely is that exactly. Uh, he he gets confronted by a demon that can stop time, and he just says, "Well, I can just make time move again because I'm just that powerful." And the show just runs with it, and it it's kind of like a fuck yeah moment. But like, okay, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> it does make you wonder how how they can maintain conflict though, if he can do that with everything <laughs> so they recently introduced a new character um who's also a reborn character from his past uh okay. and he's like equally powerful well not as powerful but like fairly powerful that they're they're like even in terms of uh sword fighting capabilities i guess even sure. if uh, anos was using a stick to fight him against a sword mm-hmm. but um you know, it, it, the action keeps up, um, and I think the focus is more on the political intrigue of why Anos has been forgotten 2,000 years later, uh, and this other demon lord, uh, Avos, uh, has been replaced, you know, has been replaced him as mm-hmm. the um, supposed demon king to be reborn. Sure, sure, sure. Would you say, we put this in red flags, would you say it doesn't sound like it's a red flag show at this point? Um, I mean, I guess what would you, how would you, from that kind of feminist perspective, like? Yeah, it's definitely like a more of a yellow flag. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't treat the, you know, it, it doesn't really treat anyone aside from Anos with 
a lot of development. Everyone's just there to be around Anos, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But Anos himself is compassionate in the sense that he's transcended all sorts of human, you know, human constraints and just does his own thing, follows his own sense of justice, basically. Okay. So, I mean, sounds mostly harmless. I'm not interested in watching it, but it sounds like you're enjoying it, so that's good. Um, Mm. So, folks at home, if that sounds like your jam, go for it. Uh, Okay, sorry, Chiaki, you do have to kind of keep talking for a little bit longer here. Uh, The next one on our list is Millionaire Detective, which uh, I watched the first episode of and then was like, I'm good. Um, But you're keeping up with it. This This is a carryover or a delayed show from the spring that is now airing in the summer. So yeah. it won't be on the premiere list for folks at home, but we rolled it in from our uh, spring list. So yeah, Com- yeah, combat sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. That's why I dropped it after the first episode. Yeah, um, like I, I never w- finished the first episode last season. I, I started watching it for whatever reason because it takes me like three hours to watch a single show. Sometimes um, I never finished the first episode. I picked it back up. Uh, this season and I finished the first episode where you know the dude just lets him fall into the river I'm like wow he kind of sucks from there from there I kept watching just because it's it's fun like it's got snappy visuals oh it's really Um, well made it's got style coming out of its ears if Kanbei hadn't sucked so bad I definitely would have stuck with it and Definitely, Kanbei continues sucking. That's the biggest problem. And the show kind of alludes to, like, maybe capitalism is bad in the latest episodes. Um, There's, you know, uh, Kanbei has to really learn that just because he has money and can settle everything um, with a check doesn't mean that that necessarily makes him a good person. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I feel the show just kind of celebrates it, the show is about his, you know, wealth. It ultimately. Oh, yeah. That was another so, vibe I got from the first episode that like the camera was just like making love to how rich and hot this dude was. Yeah. So like, even if you kind of critique his, um, you know, sociopathic use of money, <laughs> um, it's, it, it doesn't really hit home because his foil is constantly just getting sidelined by the fact that Kambe can set, you know, it, it's more the foil, the, the other detective. And the other thing is I can't even remember half the show's cast because they're just all bland. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from Kambe, it, it's, it's literally just like, yeah, you know, that guy, the, the, the other cop, um, his partner, you know, tries to be a conscience for him and it helps, but I feel like, you know, um, ultimately the show's like, okay, well, Kambe grew a slight amount of conscience and instead of just, you know, buying everything out, he paid money, he paid money in a way that it would, uh, uh, work in a, you know, result in a preferable out- outcome to everyone involved kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, mm. I think I'm good with staying away from that one. Are you enjoying it? I mean, you said you're keeping up with it, but it doesn't sound like you like it that much. Uh, this I'll, I'll definitely admit I just watched it just to kind of have it uh, to mention for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am I'm not 
necessarily watching it with any real sense of investment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's a ringing endorsement. Um, <laughs> and from that, we will, we will move on to the next one. Uh, you get to take a little bit of a break here, Chiaki. Uh, I can talk, I guess, with Rai for a little bit. Uh, the next one is The God of High School. Um, it is the uh, shonen style. I should say shonen style because it's technically not a shonen, I guess. Anyway, shonen style battle anime with the tournament arc. Um, and I am enjoying this, but Rai, it looks like you dropped it. Yeah, I think I can see why you're keeping up with it. I think I'm done with it. Because I, yeah. l- like you, I, I kind of, I, I really like the main trio. I think they're, they're so fun. Good. I really like yeah. the cast. That's why I'm sticking with it, honestly. I just really like the cast. Yeah, I really, I totally get that. And I think I was just so charmed by the kind of comedy moments in the early going. Uh-huh. I guess it's not that far from the early going now, uh, depending on how long it runs. But... I was also just, I don't care about the tournament stuff. I, I acknowledge that the fight scenes look nice and that I don't care because it's not for me. Um, yeah. The, I thought episode four, when it, when episode four finally was able to kind of weave the character arcs into the fights in a way that I thought made, actually gave them some stakes. But, like, there's also a certain level of predictability with stuff like this. We're like, well, obviously the main character is going to win, because if they don't, then, like, there's no story. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, I do agree with you that, like, I mean, the parts with the fights, like, I kind of appreciate the animation, but I'm also low-key zoning out. And then when we get into the, mm-hmm. the more character-driven scenes, um, I lock back in again, because I do, I do enjoy the main trio a lot. Yeah, and that predictability you mentioned is kind of what killed it for me, because... I was really kind of zipping along with episode four. I thought they had a nice little plot for Mira, kind of realizing that she doesn't have to throw away her life, you know, for this. She has to, what's important is for her to do what's right for her. And everybody comes together and supports her. And it's nice because I really like Mira and her friends. I thought that was a good Um, good twist for her character because I really thought they were just setting her up as like a... I'm out to find a husband and look, I found one. He's so strong. Um, so I thought that episode mm-hmm. was a nice, was a nice way to give her a little bit more heft. So yeah. Yeah. But like, but then at the, the tag of that episode is, you know, part of what Maury says to convince her not to marry this creep is I can't believe you're going to, you're going to give up when you've come so far in the tournament. Don't you want to pursue your own goals? And then we like hard cut to her being beaten into a bloody hospitalized pulp uh, because now it is time for, for Daiwei to have his feelings about his plot arc and she is so much fodder for that. And I'm like, okay, not only is this predictable, but also any invo- emotional investment I might have outside of the predictable demands of the shonen plot means nothing. I'm good. Oh, yeah. See, I thought episode five did a nice job of kind of building on that. Um, uh, Dewey's episode is, uh, I really liked that one, like made me feel a feeling, episode five. Um, and mm. they, 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 one thing they really uh, kind of zoom in on in that episode, which it doesn't necessarily make sense with the whole nano machine thing that they've got going on, but they zero in on that episode on um, Mira got hurt in her fight outside of the tournament in uh, episode four. And instead mm-hmm. of asking to uh, like get that fixed, she just went into the battle injured and Dewey took advantage of that. So like he, he like attacked her injury basically. And that's why he, that's why he beat her so badly. Um, so there is, there is kind of a, a little bit of a pullback there in terms of like, no, Mira's super strong. She just kind of got screwed. 
Um, and then they're moving. I don't, I don't know if it's a spoiler for folks at home, but they have, they have found a way to write the tournament arc. So the trio are working together going forward as opposed to, um, against each other. So Mm. I'm curious to see where it goes from there now that it, now that they've really settled into it being like, no, these are our three protagonists and they are, they are working as a unit. So. Okay. Maybe I'll just, I'll, see what you have to say at the end of the core and yeah, maybe I'll pick it back up. up it. I know, I know like, like me, battle anime are kind of a tough sell for you, but I do. I like what it's doing with the characters. I am tentatively hopeful for Mira not to just get completely sidelined. Um, and we'll kind of see where it goes, but yeah, God of high school has been a pleasant surprise for me this season. I, I thought I would fall off because of the, because of the punchy fights, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they've, they've managed to hook me with the characters. Definitely. So that's where yeah, I am. And I've heard, It'll be interesting to see how it goes once it shakes the tournament shenanigans. So, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see why you're wanting to keep with it. Yeah, and I get the sense that, like, a shoe is going to drop and things are going to get, like, supernatural and weird. Like, the most recent episode has brought in some, like, outside forces that are going to, like, I think, yeah, I think this tournament is going to implode fairly quickly, but but we'll see. Um, mm. So, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, in a really strong season, it might not have been a show I kept up with, but because I stuck with it as long as I did, now I'm invested in the cast. So I'm going to stick with it through the, through the core, at least. Um, we'll Welcome. see how it goes from there. Um, okay, next one. We are all watching. Um, this might be the problematic fave of the season. Uh, Apare Ranman. This is like the platonic ideal of platonic fave. Uh, of problematic fave. <laughs> it pretty much <laughs> is, right? Um, okay, uh, who wants to start? Uh, I was watching... I, I, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll throw... I'll, I'll put this out there because we've been saying this and we said this in both our reviews and we should probably just always start with this the character designs were a mistake um, yep somebody somebody on staff i so here's what i think the show is doing it's got a it's got this turn of the century adventure novel vibe to it right like jules verne gets a shout out like that's that's what the show is kind of going for as far as like narrative uh tone and Part of those adventure novels are these like broad stereotypes as people like ventured out into the world. These, and we should, I should also specify Western novels, mostly by imperialist and colonialist writers. Um, This like venturing out into the unknown and meeting the mysterious other shit, right? And Mm -hmm. I think Apare Ranman wanted to kind of start with that and then flesh out the cast in ways that were maybe not, that wouldn't adhere to those tropes that would be less expected. so they started with every character will have a stereotypical design and they did not consider real world power dynamics and how there's a difference between a, a, a Japanese team, you know, creating a couple of like characters who look like stereotypical, like Japanese characters versus a character who looks like a stereotypical uh, indigenous person or a black man or what have you. Um, so yeah, I always want to start with that. The character designs <laughs> were a mistake. Um, I don't think there was any malice in them, but there was definitely insensitivity. Um, yeah, like, I, th- I really think that that is the big stumbling block, uh, mm-hmm. because, and like, you can really see what they intend to do with Kosame in particular, because there are so many jokes at Kosame's kind of affectionately at Kosame's expense about how he's sort of has that two-faced element of of wanting to smooth things over and then immediately being super annoyed about it and but also ingratiating the second he actually needs to talk to anybody and those are like 
very funny scenes because they are embedded in the writing team's knowledge of their own culture. And it clearly wanted to do that with a bunch of different cultures and it oopsed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also it's, i really love the whole cast i know that's the thing all of the characters are extremely endearing like and and they run the gamut from being like like not particular like other than hototo's character design i think hototo is generally a is generally a well-written character um and the same with like uh jean what's her first name shaolin shaolin um shaolin yeah um I think that they've had enough time on screen to be like more fleshed out in terms of like very humanized characters. I think that I think that somebody like Crazy TJ, who is um, who is the uh, who is the the sole black character in the cast. Um, and this is again, I'm not I'm not, I am not the foremost authority on this. So, uh, 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 black folks listening, please comment. Let us know if, if you're enjoying this show. Um, I think I think he runs more closely into like into like deeply problematic territory, but at the same time he is kind of charming, so I find him likable. He's just a swashbuckler, right? He's just out to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I feel with TJ, um, he really needs like he's been very aloof in the story so far. Yeah, I agree. And with that. depending on how what kind of role he plays at the end mm-hmm. is really going to decide whether, you know, he's a, truly a problematic character or not. Or if they're, mm-hmm. or if they're trying to do the work with him that they've done with the other characters to like mm-hmm. make them more fleshed out and humanized and kind of like the, one of the things I like about Hototo is that they haven't shied away from like the fact that indigenous people were uh, being attacked and there was a genocide going on fun- fundamentally, right? Like they're, they're not trying to just pretend like everything is fine um with him and so i do appreciate that the show is it's not like reveling in that like it's not like we see a bunch of you know a bunch of like violence on screen or anything like that but i do i do appreciate that the show is acknowledging the oppression of the time period in both with hototo and then with jaolin uh, with her whole arc about um them not thinking women can you know drive race cars kind of thing so well, they still can't <laughs> they still think that way yeah well, <laughs> it it is a little bit simplified. I think whenever it sure. tries to do these things, like like Hototo is angry at the one dude who, who who uh, you know, killed his dad and sort sure. of implicitly. And he's and, also twelve. And, you know, he is also twelve, and also like Jalin's uh, episode is very like I'm gonna be the the bestest lady one who does it better than all the dudes, and therefore they will all respect me. Kind of plot line, but again, the show just has so much energy and sweetness to it that it's hard for me to get mad at these things yeah well and again it is mm-hmm. it takes it is a fan it is takes place in a fantastical alt history version of reality that is very much playing into like broad adventure narratives so i don't expect it to be a a deep and complex reading of marginalization or oppression I, I go to these kind of shows for that hoorah narrative that, yeah, punch him in the face, show him what's up, Jalen. You know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. think there's, I think there's different ways to approach that. And I think there's, I think there's an escapist way. And I think there's a, um, uh, a more like, you know, realistic way. And I don't think Apare Raman has at any point tried to pretend it is a, it is a show about realism. So that, that element of Fair. simplification does not bother me at all. Like I could see why, it, I could totally see why it would bother folks. Like if that's a deal breaker, I get it. But um, I think, with, I think within the narrative style and the genre it's operating in, um, I'm, I'm okay with it, with it being more simplistic with that aspect of its story. 
Speaking of the realis- realism, though, um, mm-hmm. the calculations that Apare does while he's driving, mm-hmm. not, not like, extremely accurate, but, like, I was just, I freeze-framed and looked at some of the calculations, like, oh, mm-hmm. these are actually kind of legitimate um, calculations that they're making. So I'm like, oh, they did their homework. That's at cool. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I like I like that Apare is starting. I like that they're giving him an arc, too, because, you know, he kind of plays into that, like, aloof genius who doesn't understand humans character type. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that they're pushing on that a little bit to be like, well, a lot of it is just that he's been kind of alone his whole life because nobody ever took him seriously. And now he's around other people who are also kind of like trying to push the envelope and he's able to open up and kind of like develop relationships with people. So I I like what they're doing with his character because I think sometimes, I think you mentioned in your premiere review that characters like Apare can be really obnoxious. Like the worst iterations of Sherlock Holmes are like the, the worst version of that character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the camping scene where he is completely useless at everything that isn't yes, cars because it that would be was so, so easy. Cute. <laughs> that was so cute. It was so easy for him to be super talented. He tried so hard to help everybody and he was so bad at it. And then Shallon's finally like, could you take a look at my car? And he's like, yay! <laughs> and runs <laughs> off to help. Uh, no, that was that was very endearing. Again, I think the show has just done a nice job of endearing me to like everybody in the cast, and I hope they continue to do that with the characters like they've been. Um, the stuff with Gil ended up being I ended up liking quite a bit this most recent episode. So, uh, yeah, I hope they can continue to flesh folks out um, mm-hmm. and keep it keep it light and fun, but also you know kind of give it some emotional weight as well. So, um, yeah, that's our problematic fave. Any any other thoughts on that one? I think um, if you are, like, just for folks at home to kind of get an idea, tonally an idea, if you were into, like, the goofier episodes of Samurai Champloo or Trigun, this might be your bag. Yeah. yeah. To me, it has, I mean, again, other than the, other than the eyebrow-raising character designs, I think it has a lot of uh, mass appeal in terms of, like, the level of fun, the energy, the likability of the cast. Um, so uh, I get it if it, I get, once again, there are things in it that I totally get if they're deal breakers for folks, but um, I know all three of us are really liking this a lot, and uh, Lily, Lizzie's keeping up with this one as well and really likes it, so um, the team is enjoying this one. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, next one up, I, I think we can get through this one quickly. I hope we can, because we actually are uh, talking more than I thought we would at this point. Um, the next one is Mr. Love, Queen's Choice. I dropped it three and a half episodes in because I was bored out of my mind. Chiaki, you are keeping up with this one still. Um, it's, it's fine if you drop it. It's not that great. Uh, all the guys are coming out to be more, you know, involved with, uh, the protagonist's life now. There's, like, a huge conspiracy about a secret organization of evil people that are kidnapping, um, psychic people. Um, the protagonist still does not have a name, um, named, uh, Watashi in the credits. Yeah. Um, so you can tell she's not very fleshed out, aside from the fact that she has a mysterious past, I guess. Uh, I'm calling her Princess Potato Chip because that's what <laughs> one of the um, that's what one of the uh, characters of Pop Idol, who is also secretly a super hacker. Uh, of course he is. And, and you know, and a psychic. Um, it's, this is what you're dealing with. Yeah, everyone's basically like a cop, but also can levitate in the air. A CEO who also moonlights as a chef and makes pudding for, you know, a f- makes flan for a girl that he knew fi- when she was five. Like, 
She yeah. has flamnesia. She has amnesia. So, so flamnesia. All she remembers is flan. So it's flamnesia. Um, so here's the, and here's the thing. As you were describing Mr. Love, and this was my hope with the first episode, it seemed like it could be ridiculous in a fun way, right? Like, because that's some, some Otome stories have like, um, Oh God, what's the one, what's the one we really liked? Uh, I'm blanking on the name and I have it downstairs in a, in a box. Not uh, Code Realize. No, try again. Uh, Code Realize. Tokyo yes. Code Realize. Um, uh, but yeah, also, also uh, Tokyo Renka. Um, when they lean into, this is kind of ridiculous, but you're going to, but you're going to become endeared to these characters and you're going to have fun with it. And it's going to get wild. Like you describing Mr. Love, it sounds wild in like a really fun way. But it's so blandly executed. Yeah, that's that's definitely the problem. Um, everyone yeah. is, all the guys are kind of, I don't know, they're they're assholes, especially the CEO guy. Yeah. Um, you know, everything everything is played super straight. That's that's the other issue. You know, wild things are happening, but everyone's like, it's kind of like that uh, one episode of CSI where they're hacking, and you know, the se- like two people are w- hacking on the same key- keyboard, and it's played straight, right? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's joyless, and I really think like I, I'm I'm like the foremost defender of Otome adaptations, but I think that you you they have to have joy. If they if if the adaptation is joyless, then I just it's just not going to work because then you're not going to endear anybody to the cast, and that's like the central conceit of an Otome um, is that you're supposed to like the characters. So yeah, Mr. Love was a big disappointment for me. Um, are you going to mm-hmm. keep up with it, or did you kind of was it another one you were just kind of watching for the mid season? Um. Yeah. More. More that than out of enjoyment. I do enjoy just calling her P- Princess Potato Chip while I'm live <laughs> tweeting it. So yeah. I'm keeping it up for that reason. But for yeah. the for the tweets, sure, I get that. For the uh, tweets. Speaking of shows that you're keeping up with, partly for the tweets. <laughs> uh, we okay. So we are skipping over Lapis Relights. Um, only person on the team who's keeping up with that is Mercedes who was initially going to be on this, but um, had some, some, some jet lag uh, related um, feeling under the weather. So uh, opted out. So hopefully we'll have her on for the series finale and she can talk about Lapis. Uh, so we are skipping that and going into uh, the trash show of the season. Uh, Jibby, Jibby eight, Jibby it, Jibby ate. Uh, however you want to pronounce it. Um, Jibby eight. Well, they they say jibia. They call the monsters the jibia. So I know that it's part definitely is definitely jibia. Though that's the name of the disease. They say it in the first episode and never again. Oh, do they? Okay, I couldn't remember. <laughs> I've been calling it jibia. Like <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean... how I've been pronouncing it. Um, nobody in the in that writers' room ever heard an idea that they didn't think was a good idea. Um, that's where I am with this show. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> It is, but the shine, I, I confess, the shine of it wore off a little bit these last couple episodes because for some reason it is insisted that it also wants to be a serious historical drama. And every time it it dips into the past um, and loses that loses the monster camp, I kind of, my eyes start to glaze over because I am mostly here for the CG monsters because they are uh, inspired. Inspired. Everything about them. Whoever designed and animated them did a tremendous job. The way their limbs just like flail awkwardly off screen, it's phenomenal. (laughs) Only person who knew what kind of a show they were working on is the CG animators. Um, But yeah, so this one is not good. I think we can all agree on that. But uh, how are y'all feeling about it at, at this midway point? 
I love it. I, I, still? I still think okay. I still love it. Uh, I even like the historical drama because it again, it's like a slightly historically accurate um, interpretation of things that happened in the past and then adding in the characters who were right there at the time before falling into a uh, time plot portal. Hole. Into a plot hole. Plot yes. hole. Plot hole. <laughs> yes. um, to be transported into modern day um, post-coronavirus uh, Japan. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, I, I, uh, I think that, ad- that only adds to the camp for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, the sincerity is such a key part of what makes good camp to me that I am kind of low-key playing Review Starlight uh, Relive on my phone during those segments, but I don't, <laughs> I'm not mad about it because like this, the, the writers are so clearly history nerds who are like, I oh, want to yeah. tell people about all these battles I think are cool and oh, that's enough for it. me. <laughs> They're into it. Like I can't fault them. Like they're they're writing a they're writing a story they're into, and and props to them for that. Um, and shallow as it is, I do kind of like the little character moments. I like that they're trying to do that. I like the the totally gay soldiers who who are pining for each other, and I like the monk dad. <laughs> I think the, so. The character beats monk are charmingly awkward. Yes. Um, yeah. No. I ship monk dad and mom. Um, I am. I the other. Oh, here's my other thing though. They've they've done. They've completely done nothing with Kathleen, which sucks because I feel like yeah, they started she's her off. Character. The first couple mm-hmm. episodes, she felt like like she obviously wasn't going to be like the big tough like superhero because that's why these that's why the Edo Bros were bought were brought into the story, but like. In, like, episode two, when their uh, camp got attacked, like, they were off slaying a bunch of monsters outside, but she was still, like, shooting down a couple and rescuing her mom and, like, shooting her way towards the door, right? So, like, she wasn't, like, the center of the action, but she was holding her own. I was fine with that. Um, Mm -hmm. The past few episodes, like, all she's done is gotten into trouble and been attacked and, like, needed needed help. So I feel like in in the three-episode review, I was like, yeah, they're not really doing much, but they're not getting damseled either. And now I feel like that is not true. And it's kind of annoying because, like... I was also promised like a pink-haired badass in the opening credits, and we're halfway through the show, and she ain't here yet. So I don't know what's yeah, up. Yeah, where's with my that. JoJo lady? Yeah, yeah, she needs to she needs to join this cast soon because um, uh, I, I I need I need me a badass lady in this in this monster hunting world. Um, so right now I'm rooting for the Spider Manders. It's probably not a good sign. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's that's the best character of the season. So. The Spider-Manders. Spider-Man MVP. <laughs> the entire army of Spider-Manders. Although I do have to say the flappy monsters are also exquisite. <laughs> All the monsters are good. I just love that the the, the lip sync creep where sometimes it, it, it was a little bit off before in episode four. And now it's gotten to the point where audio will sometimes happen and the lips will not move at all. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's <so good> There's <laughs> a lot happening with Jibby. Um... So we're kind of liking this. I feel like we're recommending it kind of. It's a lot. I'm curious to see how I feel about the over the next couple episodes, like if the shine continues to wear off for me or if I or if I start to have more fun with it again. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they how they how they write this madcap adventure across uh, Japan uh, with monsters. So road trip. Um Okay, uh, next up, Vry, real quick, you are keeping up with uh, Digimon Adventure Colon. Uh, you having fun? 
I am the last, the most recent episode, which for me is episode 10. Episode 11 is going to go up between when we record this and when it goes up, but I won't have seen it, uh, was real bad. But up until then, it's mostly been pretty fun. Uh, Sora keeps getting sidelined and I'm real sad about that. It's become, it's become so bad that it's almost a running joke now, uh, on Anna Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but so the first introductions of all the characters were pretty good. Mimi got a really good episode. Uh, Hikari is not in it yet, really. But this last round, they kind of went from g- giving each kid sort of an introduction episode where they did the champion forms into, like, straight after that, doing the first ultimate evolution without any room to breathe. And, you know, those moments are supposed to be, like, character development things. And there was a lot of time spent on that. And I don't necessarily mind that they're doing things differently from the original show, but it's... It felt really rushed and bad and very perplexing, given that this is apparently going to be a 66-episode show. Uh, So it's not a good sign, the most recent episode, but I'm not put off of it yet. I'm still holding out hope, but yeah, it was not a good sign. It was not just structurally rushed. The episode itself felt very, we are manly shown and fight because we fight. And I had been kind of, it had been kind of a nice surprise that the show had avoided that up till now. So we'll see. Um, if you want, if folks are looking for more like in-depth Digimon stuff, there's a uh, another podcast that uh, you know. Full disclosure, they invited me over to be a guest on it uh, at one point. Uh, Podigius does like episode reviews of it, and they've had like you know Nick from ANN, and uh, I think Rose was on there as well, and I was on there, and they're 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 fun, and they're kind of cool. more in-depth dives into each episode so yeah that's kind of where i'm at with digimon and it's going to be 66 episodes so see you guys in a year (laughs) hey get comfy that's fun it's it's nice to have shows that you can just pop (laughs) into and have a good time with um uh okay next up vry break uh diary of our days at breakwater was another uh spring delayed show you kept up with it for a little bit but it looks like you've dropped it um anything anything new to let folks know about it from the last time we talked about it um, it, I mean, it hasn't changed much from my three-episode review back in spring, but I wish this was a five-minute short because it's very good and fun at being like a, here's our cute Moe art style, and also we're doing gross facts about fishing, and that's kind of a funny disjunction. And I did, mm-hmm. I have continued to enjoy those bits, but then there are like 15-minute stretches where it's just these, not just archetypal, but flat club characters who I do not want to spend time with at all and eventually I hit and and I eventually just hit my limit and I can't anymore so it's like real fishing (laughs) yep exactly like (laughs) had to throw the moes back (laughs) oh yeah um so yeah it sounds like there's nothing like if you're enjoying it, cool, but it just sounds like it wasn't for you, which is totally fair. Yeah, and you know, so. it, it is pretty harmless. It even has done like one or two underwear gags and not been skeevy about it. So it's a pretty harmless little show. It's just I I lost my ability to can. You couldn't stick with it. Yeah, I get that. Um, that that's definitely a thing that, that can happen sometimes where it's just, just not for you. Um, okay, next up, I'm going to pronounce this superheroes, even though there is an X in the word heroes. So I don't know. Um, superheroes. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how it's done. Um, Chiaki, you're watching this season's Abenime. Um, yes. How you liking it? Uh, first of all, it's Exeros. Oh, um, okay. Yes, Exeros. 
Oh, okay, because it's like put the, there's Eros the, and there's yeah. X and okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. right on. Important. Anyway, uh, this is definitely the the uh, lesser of the horny anime this season. Oh, uh, the the whole focus of this show is just it's okay to be horny. It is it is an entire core of anime at this point. Well, half a core of this anime has been devoted to just saying it's okay to be horny. And that can just be done in one episode, honestly. <laughs> I I was really going to try to watch this. And I got halfway through the first episode because I, I read Caitlin's review and I'm like, yeah, you know what? We could use an, a, a sex positive anime about how it's okay to be horny, especially if you're a teenage girl, because there's a lot of repression there. And I like Yamada's first time. And then... And then I got halfway through the first episode where it wasn't just it's okay to be horny. It was also if you're not horny, you're a shell of a human being. And I'm like, and I'm good. And that's why I yeah. never started it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Apparently, we can't have sex positive anime that don't shit on people who don't personally want to have sex. <sighs> It yeah. is unfortunate. It's why I like Yamada's first time. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I never felt like it did that, which was great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Chiaki, is there anything else in particular you want to say about this one? Anything about it that's changed since the since the three episode review? Mm, uh, there, they did introduce uh, more, you know, a broader number of the members of the cast. Um, a space alien has joined them, who is just dead set on making sure everyone can get as horny as they can. Um, one of the cast members is exhibiting different types of horny like all the, everyone's exhibiting different types of being horny so one of them is i only get off with uh 2d girls and on ca comics and that's that's my jam and i'm like that's cool because that's kind of where i am at but <laughs> aside from like that it's still just yeah everyone needs to be horny they did some didn't they do some uh, body swappy gender stuff too with the alien <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's my jam, but also it was like maybe 20 seconds, um, mm. which is enough for me. <sighs> 20 seconds and definitely, yeah, anime of the year for me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't recommend it. You don't recommend it? <laughs> oh, okay. No. Noted. Well, it's a bummer. Noted. That is kind of a bummer because <laughs> at first it sounded like it could have been kind of a fun uh kind of a fun like body comedy which it's so hard to write those um and it sounds like this one couldn't get there so so there's there's super say it again for me chiaki exeros exeros thank you um okay next on the list i dropped this like a hot potato after episode three rent a girlfriend chiaki once again you get to talk <laughs> monologue for me cause <laughs> is just a he's such a terrible character he sucks so bad right like and at first he could yeah. have been he had glimmers of being a decent of being an interesting character in episode two i thought um where you kind of start to strip away some of these like like in episode one he's got all these misogynistic tendencies but then he kind of realizes it and apologizes for it and then you start to realize like he has like this deep-seated um low self-esteem like no like no real mm -hmm. like self-confidence in himself and like that's where a lot of his that's where a lot of this is coming from and I'm like, okay, let's examine that. Let's examine like 
like how everyone around him is telling him he's a worthless human being and how that's probably having a huge impact on his life. Um, and then episode three is just like, then he just became like the sort of ridiculously horny disaster, hapless harem protagonist. And I lost all interest in the show. Sounds like that hasn't changed. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like the boyfriend who can't change or who doesn't change. He Mm -hmm. constantly, the thing is that he's constantly telling, you know, Chisu, like, all right, I'm going to tell my grandparents or grandma that I'm, I'm, we're splitting up. I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her every single episode. And then like by contrivance, by like her, by like him just slowly falling in love with her, um, He's just become like, well, can we like postpone this because it's not an opportune time? You know, oh, this at this moment, we really should not do it. Chizu also feeds into just letting him have his way a lot of the time. She doesn't put her foot down, uh, which is also like a huge detriment to like just shutting it down. And like, I get it that she's doing it because the show must go on as far as, you know, devoting whatever rent of girlfriend is about um <laughs> whatever that may be whatever it is yeah uh, um yeah that but, was my thing that was really the thing with episode three was like the, the the conflict started to feel more just like contrived like well clearly this has to happen because it's a harem rom-com um as opposed mm-hmm. to being driven by the characters actual personalities and hang-ups and things like that yeah so i'm definitely feeling um it's it's just tiring at this point to watch yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. Uh, the latest episode, they introduced a the third girl in the opening, the one with the short black hair. Sure. Um, she's kind of th- thrown in to mix things up. She knows that Chizu's a rental girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, Kaz is trying to play it up with his friends that they're still dating because th- their friends know his family and if they ever found out that they're you know that he's paying to ha- have Chizu be his girlfriend um his grandma would found find out and she would be heartbroken um yeah the entire show is based on the premise of we can't let grandma find out because <laughs> her heart will break oh yeah um and another thing about the grandma yeah the other thing about the grandma like she was the best character in the show uh just being like this excitable gra- grandma who plays gotcha games uh from the hospital and mm-hmm. she was that that was kind of exciting uh, yeah, i thought she was fun the, in the early episodes yeah episode before the latest one um she was she just got out of the hospital and invited you know Kazu and his family to come uh, to a hot springs resort with her as a celebration. Of course, she invited her friend from the hospital, who is Chizu's gr- uh, grandma, mm-hmm. to come along as well with Chizu. Sure. And so they stick Chizu and Kazu into a room because, of course, they you know they're dating and it's a love sure. com, whatever. Yeah. Um, and grandma invites uh, Chizu to go and take a you know well they just wind up in the hot springs together and the grandma just straight up feels up chizu ah bad no thank you yeah so that's definitely something to like look out for um and she's like oh and it's it's not even like 
oops, I'm accidentally fondling a boob. It's more like she's like, hey, this is like a lucky skibbe, right? Like a lucky pervert pervert opportunity. Ah. And yeah, she's just straight up like going for it. And it's like, no. I am definitely never going back to Rent-A-Girlfriend. So um, good luck with it, I guess. Uh, for those at home who are enjoying it, power to you. Um, it does not sound... Uh, it sounds like we had put it in the it's complicated category. It sounds like we can move it down at this point <laughs> yeah. pretty solidly, like maybe even all the way to red flags, um, which is oh, a shame because it had potential. Yeah. I didn't even talk about um, Mickey, Kaz's uh, ex-girlfriend, who's just a manip- who's just straight up manipulative. Yeah, I talked about her in the three episodes, so I don't think we need okay. to spend too much time on the on her. Um, uh, it, it does suck that apparently her dub voice actress has been getting threats on Twitter because the internet is terrible. Yeah. Because her character sucks, so I guess that means she does. It's, yeah, the internet is terrible sometimes. Um, Okay, that's all the time I want to spend on Rent a Girlfriend. We're running, we're getting close to the top of the hour, and I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to talk about Decadence, which is our top show on this list, and I think that it is still solidly sitting at the top of the list this season. Um, I'm not even sure where to start other than to say that I really, really like this one. Uh, how, how are y'all feeling on it? I, I also really enjoy, uh, can we, can we give like a spoiler warning and just tell people it good, please watch it so we can actually talk about it in some depth. Cause I feel like we've been trying to preserve the twist a bit. Yeah. There's a twist in episode two. And so like folks at home, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, um, I would say read my three episode review. Um, I will link to it in the show notes because we always do. Um, and that will that doesn't spoil anything. And that will give you a good idea of where the show is. Um, we all really like it. So turn off the podcast now if you don't want to be spoiled. Because we are just going to talk about decadence for the next five minutes or however long. Um, but don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, yeah. Smash that like and subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Uh, now that now that the folks who don't want who don't want spoilers have left, uh, Vry, spoil away. What did you want to? How did you want to start us off here? I I love. Sh- I'm so glad we have another show that's just fucking weird. Uh, we haven't really had one since Anime Guitarist, and I am so here for the the mixed art styles. And I don't know if it necessarily has an idea where it wants to go beyond like a broad concept of capitalism bad, but I am having a good time. Although. If it doesn't let Natsume in on the conspiracy by the end of next episode, I'm gonna start to get annoyed. That's where I'm at. Yeah, it's been, um, I think it's so far done a pretty good job of balancing Natsume and Kaburagi's stories, um, where you've got Natsume living inside Decadence, um, kind of on her own sort of personal actualization journey. And her, like, and watching her has, and like, I like how she and Kaburagi have kind of mutually inspired each other. Like, he's taught her, well, he's taught her some, like, important life skills and like given her somebody who like believed in her and was actually support her in her goals. And then watching her, you know, uh, strive to achieve those goals has inspired Kaburagi to kind of like fight back and do what he wants instead of just like listening to what the folks on high tell him he has to do. Um, and I like this concept of, of bugs um, basically being like people who think for themselves, <laughs> I guess. Um, who don't just like, you know, follow the prescribed path that was given to them, um, like from the start by what other people think they need to be. Um, so, so far, I think the show is doing a good job of balancing their two stories, but I do agree with you that now that we've hit kind of this, this midway turning point, 
um, with Kabadagi going back into the uh, back into the game, that he it's time for Natsume to become a part of that story. Like the two stories need to start weaving together more clearly, I think um, going forward for this to be a successful show. Um, But honestly, at this point, I have no reason not to trust the writing and directing. Like, I think it's been really well paced. I think it's done a good job of balancing action with character with these kind of like, um, with these like plot, these really interesting plot twists um, with, um, these thematic touchstones about, like you were saying, like this kind of anti-corporate model. Um, there's some discussion of ableism in the series as well with Natsume, um, since she uh, has a prosthetic arm and like what access and like how accessibility works and like access to resources and things like that, which I, I think is really, really interesting. And I like, I really like Natsume. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I am with it. It's hard for me to like, it's going to be one of those shows where I think the ending is going to make or break it, like, because it is so reliant on, like, where it's going. It's not just, like, an episodic, have fun type story. Um, but it's good so far. I'm really, really excited to see where it goes. Um, Chiaki, you've been quiet. No, um, I just wholeheartedly second what you just said. Um, really enjoying it. And definitely um, something that needs to... I, I'm hoping for a little bit more develop I, I want to see what's actually happening like mm-hmm. what's going on um i know they kind of hinted at it foreshadowed it in the very first episode but um natsume definitely needs to be brought into the loop a little bit more now yeah take down the system um i have i have at this point I, and i i have to like be careful because like endings are hard but i have really high hopes for decadence like i i think the show could be special um but i need to but like again we've got it we've still got half a core and i don't want to i don't want to get too hyped because you know i have shows shows disappoint sometimes and endings are hard yeah, I, on the one hand, I'm very hopeful because it's done so many interesting things. And on the other hand, I'm a little cautious because it clearly, I think, I don't think it's, this is a trigger knockoff anime, but it clearly has like some nods to Imaishi's work in particular. And one of the things Imaishi's work is known for is having more brain, is having more heart than brains, which is not so good for his endings. And I'm hoping Decadence does not follow in that particular footstep. Mm-hmm. I. I do feel that there is a very complex world building, you know, under the surface of the show. The show is definitely teasing um, that there's a bigger thing going on. And I'm, you know, I'm expecting at this point that it's going to look like a much more, um, there's going to be a huge bang at the very end. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever watch, um, well, uh, so the director for this, uh, Tachikawa, um, I mean, Mob Psycho is kind of his big one, which is an adaptation, although it's an adaptation that, that is, it's a tremendous adaptation. Um, but did either of you ever watch Death Parade? No, I was kind of aware of it, but I didn't see That was Tachikawa's kind of big, like, director, screenplay, like, creator, like, that was, like, his big, like, original work prior to Decadence. Um, it is, I would not describe it as a perfect anime, but it, it had, it had a consistent through line start to finish and absolutely stuck the landing, I thought. So, um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of faith in, in him because of that, um, in terms of like, 
I think he has I think he has a a a coherent idea of what he wants to do with this start to finish. That would be what I would say. Um, how well that translates uh, overall, we'll see. It'll be interesting to answer how it starts to answer the questions of interfacing because like, like Kaburagi can go back and forth, but I don't think the same can be said of Natsume. Like there are certain areas of like his world that she physically, I don't think can get at. Um, because she yeah, can't decouple I'm, from her body. Like that kind of stuff is really interesting to me and I want it to hurry up and get there. Yeah, I'm curious to see where the where the cyborgs are living cuz I think they're living mm-hmm. elsewhere and then are plugging into these bodies inside decadence itself. So if I think I think she could get to wherever they are. I'm just not sure of where that is. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing too. It sounds like they're like inside decadence sort of like in their own area or nearby or something like that, right? Like they have like they have a base that they are living in. They're they're like physical beings, but they're just not within the same space. Yeah, it seems more like the cyborgs, uh, Kaburagi and everyone else are are the ones who are living in sort of their own bubble because the world is too polluted or whatever to live on the surface. And for them, you know, they could eventually surface to that bubble that uh, the corporations have made for decadence, which is like a you know microcosm that they've set up, uh, like a model town, except you know with real people in it. Yeah. Okay. At this point, we're we're sort of speculating, and maybe maybe that's maybe that's a sign that decadence should just like get its own podcast when this is over. Um, but I, we yeah. are at the top of the hour, so unless there was anything that we needed to like call out for folks at home, I think we're probably ready to wrap. I don't think so. Yes. No, it's it's a good show. Like, it's definitely, if if I were to say, watch one show from this seri- season and then go back and work on your backlog, it's this one. Yeah. I, uh, I again, I have, I have really, oh, I have, I have two high hopes for this one. So I, I really hope it does it, it, the second half is as strong as the first and it ends up, you know, being a good, complete story. Okay. So. Um, yeah, that's the season. Um, I would not call it a strong one, but there are definitely some highlights. So hopefully folks at home, you can find some things to check out. Uh, okay. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about us. And if you really liked what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to www.patreon.com backslash anime feminist and become a patron for at least a dollar a month. Your support goes a long way towards making anime feminist happen, both in print and in your earbuds. If you're interested more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at AnimeFeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that's the show. Let us know how you're enjoying this season in the comments, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>